Want to look at the inside of a startup? How you go from creating an idea to building the product and to actually delivering that to the customer. That's what we're going to look at today, but it's going to be messy. You're going to see the truth about what it looks like to be a startup. Welcome to the Company of One. This is episode number 171. We are going to do something a little bit different today. I'm going to jump into the Facebook live feed. What we do is we record this episode as a preview on Thursday as a Facebook live. And normally I kind of stop and do a the recording, trying to make it pure as the podcast. But today there's a little more conversational uh, thing going on. I'm, I'm talking to the audience, showing and telling. All of the stuff here is on the show notes at delcallahan.com slash 171. You'll see the pictures of what we're talking about. Uh, and uh, the you'll see the, the, the text of what we're talking about. But this is going to be live. I was kind of going to be raw and just letting it just happen as that is. So I'm going to stop right here and I'm going to jump right in to the live feed. Today is Thursday. We're going to talk about and uh, we're going to actually go into detail about a startup. So I've been on the phone. I've been on uh, Zoom calls um, and emails and various ways of conversing with people, uh, which is always fun to talk to people who have a bunch of ideas, and that's you. And what we're going to do today is talk about some of the ideas that, uh, well, well, many of us are having ideas about starting companies, and I want to go through uh, some uh, one of our startups that we did and just really kind of um, pull open this stuff and look at the messy parts of what happened because there's a lot of misconceptions about startups and um, a lot of misconceptions about what you need to do to get started. So I want to walk through that and show what that looks like. Now, if you're if you're commenting or something, and I know there's a lot of people on Facebook that we live in the shadows and we kind of watch pieces of stuff. So, but if you're commenting and stuff, I don't know if I can see it, but uh, my wife is watching; she can see it, and uh, she will try to respond appropriately because I'm on a new Facebook setup uh, that we've been using for a couple of weeks, and I still don't understand it. Uh, it's not to me as convenient and easy as the other setup, uh, but you know that's okay. So what we're doing, this is going to be our podcast. What I am doing in this uh, show today is I am recording the podcast for uh, the Company of One podcast, episode number 171. Going to do it a little different today. Um, I've been doing it. We started doing this kind of as a way to keep us accountable, to keep me accountable. Because the podcast goes out on Tuesday. And if I record it on a Facebook Live on Thursday, <laughs> we have it done, at least the main part of it and uh so but what was happening as you all know well maybe you don't but uh for those procrastinators out there that are wanting to unite we'll get to that later right we are talking about procrastinating to the last minute and i was doing that a lot of times with podcast so doing the podcast on thursday keeps me from procrastinating till tuesday or until wee hours of Tuesday morning getting it done to get it out there. So this has been awesome. Um, we've had some actually cool stuff to happen out of that. We're getting a lot of feedback from Facebook, oftentimes after the fact. Uh, I've had a lot of people join my link. So and if you if you want, uh, and if we want to have a conversation, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but there will be a link in the show notes 
to how to get on my, cal uh, on my calendar. And by the way, some of you are telling me you go on my calendar and it's like way out there for days and months. If you're trying to get on there and get a, a phone call with me uh, or a Zoom meeting, whatever it turns out to be, just email me if it's way out there. Sometimes things happen. Uh, sometimes it gets filled up and, you know, that doesn't mean there's not spots to fit some things in. And especially if you're really struggling trying to get some clarity. So what we want to dive into today is this ugly startup story. So today I'm going to be a storyteller and I'm going to tell you a story that I don't have to prepare much to tell you because it's my story, right? It's the story of starting a company. Uh, and this company is our Ask Dr. Callahan company. And the reason we want to pack through this is as I have been talking to you, as I've been talking to so many people, and, and this is always the case, uh, depending on what's going on in the economy, people are at a different point. Sometimes when the economy is roaring, like it was about a month ago, uh, nobody really was caring that much about starting a company. Well, except the people who have bent that way. But then when things are struggling, everybody is like freaking out and wanting to get back into, wow, I need to think about this second source of income uh, because I should have thought about it more later, I, earlier, I should have done more, and maybe my income stream is not coming back. And I'm thrilled to find, I got a text last night from Trent, and uh, I'm thrilled to find that some people are looking at this as an opportunity because now they have some time to focus on the thing they actually want to do. Uh, so that's awesome. And it's awesome to see us using this blessing that we have of furloughed. And that's the way Trent said it. You know, it's a, he's furloughed from his, he's got a great job. They're on furlough. And it's a great blessing because of that, because it forces him into this mode of thinking about the company he wants to start, even though he loves his day job. So it's a really kind of a cool situation. I realize it doesn't feel that way to everybody. But as we're talking to people, they're struggling with what does a company startup look like? And we idealize this a lot of times based upon what we see on television, based upon what we read in books about what a company startup looks like. And we think, especially if you work for a large company, we think about things in weird ways. So let me just kind of walk you through what happened. Um, and the show notes to this, which is a pretty detailed show notes this time, is going to be at delcallahan.com slash 171. We'll put a link to that in the Facebook feed, but delcallahan.com slash 171. If you're listening to this on the podcast, uh, I'm not going to do the intro and all as I typically do. If you're listening to this on the podcast later, we do this podcast preview every Thursday night at 6 o'clock p.m. Central. So it's on my page, page, Del Callahan. We'll put a link to that in the show notes to the podcast. Boy, this is confusing going back and forth. But So let's just jump in, though. Uh, enough detail about all that. Uh, so Ask Dr. Callahan is a company we started years ago. I don't know how many years ago, but I guess I could have picked that up. We started homeschooling. Uh, my wife and I started homeschooling when our two daughters were, um, they were, I, I forget what ages, but I'm thinking one of them was in the sixth grade, one of them was in the 10th grade, and they were in private Christian schools. And so we decided to take them out. I'm not going to go through the whole story because we got that on our website. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. 
uh, to ask Dr. Kelly inside about the story, but we were led by God, and, if, and I, we say that all the time, but there's nothing that's ever been more clear to us than that, that there was no way we were escaping homeschooling, uh, but we were led by God to homeschool. Uh, but that story is over there. Uh, so we find ourselves, and, and we, I literally went from uh, homeschooling is the stupidest idea I've ever heard of before in my life to within a couple of years we were doing it and we were full bore. And it took a couple of years to put things in, in place. What happened immediately, though, once we pulled our two daughters out of school um, and uh, we started the homeschool path, we started talking to friends of ours uh, telling them, hey, we know we're homeschooling. We started realizing a lot of friends of ours, they, they were actually homeschoolers themselves and had kids our kids' age. Um, and that's when pain showed up. Now, I use that word very carefully, pain. Uh, and so when we link in the show notes, you'll see it called the pain. So the pain in business, what I'm talking about, is pain is when, when somebody, me or you, we have a struggle. Right, we have a struggle, and we want to make the struggle kind of go away. So the word pain comes from, you know, if you're in pain, if you go and drive by your doctor's office, and you look at it, and you're like, well, that's nice. There's my doctor's office. You don't really care. You're not going to turn in there. But when you're in pain, you're going to turn in there, and you're going to go see that. And you don't really care what the doctor charges. You just want the doctor to make the pain go away. As a business owner. That's what your job is, is to make the pain go away. So when we got started homeschooling, we started finding a pain. Uh, so these, uh, these friends of ours were coming to us and saying, gee, I'm really scared of teaching math and homeschool now that my children are moving into high school. Again, they're about the same age as our kids, and uh, we're kind of freaked out about the math part. And, uh, and it was funny because both my wife and I have engineering backgrounds, graduate degrees in engineering, all this fun stuff, registered professional engineers. Math was not our problem. And I remember standing there talking to a friend of, my, of, of ours, and he was like, I just, how are you guys going to teach math? And uh, I was like, math is not our problem. English, maybe, <laughs> but not math. And uh, so it was the last of our problem is what we started realizing to our friends it was the greatest problem they were worried about. They could figure out English. They could figure out history. They could figure out anything else. There were resources out there. But even with the resources, they could not figure out high school math. That word algebra terrified them. Even if they were good in math in, in high school and college, it terrified them to try to teach this subject or to try to lead their kids through it. Uh, and it was just weird. It was this weird conversations that we kept having. We could not run away from these conversations uh, as people would just walk up to us and say, hey, what are y'all going to do now that y'all have entered the homeschool world? What are you going to do? And so there we were. We were learning about pain. And then that's when it started to happen so quickly. We don't know. Maybe Leah understood how it happened. I don't know. It happened so quick. Um that I don't know what happened. They started saying things like, hey, can your, can my son or daughter come over when you're teaching your daughter math and learn with them? We'll pay you. And we started saying, sure. You know, what do you, what do you charge? 
uh, we don't know. And, and it was this weird, awkward conversation. Now, look, I'd been an entrepreneur a lot of years, but I just had no, I had no idea that where this was heading. Uh, wasn't even thinking about it. So we started to help these people, right? So we started, you know, the, so the, first, the first year, so we're teaching Algebra 2 with Trig. So I find and go over to our handy university. Uh, so being a university professor, I look at what are the universities teaching Algebra 2 and Trig with. There's a long story behind all that. But uh, we, I just said, we'll just grab their book and we'll teach Algebra 2 and Trig because that's where our oldest daughter, Cassidy, was. So... We started teaching Algebra 2 a trig. I think we had seven kids show up, and we were teaching it out of the basement everything else. And my wife, the genius that she is, volunteered me. She was like, well, you're the, you're the university guy. Why don't you handle that part? <laughs> that was really wise on her, on her part. So I, I agreed, and so I'm teaching Algebra 2 and trig to seven kids, or maybe there's eight if we included Cassidy. Well, the next year, that worked okay. We didn't, you know, we made enough, you know, we made tens and tens of dollars. I mean, I think we charged people like $200 a year, which was never do that again. Uh, but, you know, there was money. There was a business. It wasn't enough money to, to, to care about, but it was, it was money. And, but, but so, so then at the end of the year, or toward the end of that year, or whatever period of time, the friends started coming up to us and said, you know, uh, what's Cassie going to do next year? Well, I guess she's going to go into calculus. Well, good. Can my son or daughter come in there with you? And we saw, okay, wait a minute, this is a trend. Oh, by the way, our daughter is one year behind and she needs Algebra 2. You are going to teach that next year, right? Sure. You know, point by the year three of doing this, we were teaching in our basement algebra, geometry, algebra two and trig, calculus, physics, and I believe biology. So we had an entire STEM curriculum going on by accident, I might say, with not enough money to for us to care about. All right, so we got in this, and this is how a lot of businesses start. Uh, so as I've talked to many of you, you're like w finding the pains. People don't always come up and ask you about the money. They don't always have that. But the pains are there. And when you start uh, asking the right questions to find out where the pain is, that's your clue. Now, the clue to us was if we would have started saying, we're going to teach people how to homeschool, which a lot of people do. We're going to teach people how to homeschool, which we had no business doing at the moment. But uh, that, that doesn't stop us, right? Um if we were going to teach people how to homeschool, we might have gone after that path, but they didn't want to homeschool. They wanted a particular little bitty problem solved. Focus on the little bitty problem. And we were just blessed in this case that we were focused on the little bitty problem because we really didn't want the business. Uh, but here we were. Well, at the third year, we had a, a bit of a crossroads. Uh, Leah and I started to have this conversation about what do we do next because it was like it was getting insane right it was beginning to take up a lot of my time a lot of her time Cassidy was even even though she was a high school senior I think at the time she was actually teaching some of the stuff herself uh, so it was this weird mix of things going on and we we had to make a decision uh, so the decision was well let's um, let's start a school Let's start a co-op school where we're bringing kids in and we're bringing teachers in and doing this. That was point number one. 
absolutely. I had no desire whatsoever to do that. Uh, that sounded like a nightmare. Um, the other decision was to put the courses on DVD so we've taught the course once and we can hand them to our friends, charge them that fee, and be happy, and everybody goes away happy, right? And we'll just do this for our friends. There's enough money at it just to do it once. It's repeatable. It's scalable. Not really trying to create a business, but we're just going to do that. Um, but when, I'm, when I make decisions, I always like to have three options. So I, th- I threw a third option in there, as we were discussing, is the third was quit. Let's just stop doing everything. We're not doing this again. We're telling these people to go away. So if you're on this, listening to this, and you're one of those people, yeah, I'm sorry. That's how we felt about it. Um, that was my choice, though. It's just, let's quit. Let's stop. Uh, my wife, though, she uh, Leah says, well, let's, let's put it on DVD. How hard can it be, right? Uh, that's always the funny thing. How hard can that be? Uh, so that's, that's kind of where we stood. So we did what's called an opportunity analysis. Now, I teach entrepreneurship. Uh, I work with a lot of startup companies. And a lot of times, people come at us with harebrained ideas. And, uh, but by harebrained, I don't mean they're crazy, like underwater basket weaving, you know, crazy stuff like that. I mean, there's not a path to make money. Like I was working with a team not too long ago, and they were trying to make a uh, battery charger for hearing aids for people who are blind. Okay, people, because apparently to charge your batteries, there's a there's a thing to tell you if you put the batteries in right, and if you can't see it, you can't tell. So uh, you get the idea. So we did a little analysis and said, well, if you take that audience. And uh, you take that audience, how many people does that fit? How much does the device sell for? And we realized that company, if they put that company on the market or built a product in that space, they'll make $40,000 a year. They were all excited about it until you put the numbers in front of them and say, huh, that's just not interesting. Uh, so what we did is this opportunity analysis. Now, we have a podcast number, episode number 87, an old one that we'll put a link to the show notes on about how to do an opportunity analysis. That's po- podcast number 87 um, the, called an opportunity analysis. And we walk through the very opportunity analysis we did for the Ask Dr. Callahan company. And what you're doing is you're just saying, is there enough potential business out there in the market just making some dumb decisions? I mean, some uh, dumb guesses or uh, intelligent guesses. Uh, is there enough potential business out there to make it worth it? And the number depends on you. Like for some people, that 40000 might have been, hey, we, that's a great number. For some people, if unless it's $40 million, they don't care. So it depends on where you are, but we, we talk about that in the opportunity analysis. And by the way, this activity takes about 30 to 60 minutes. It's a little bit of research, a little bit of Googling, trying to figure out some things. We did that for Ask Dr. Callahan, and we realized there was a potential product. I forget what the numbers were, but you know, a quarter of a million dollars per product. Uh, annual revenue. So it was like, okay, that's interesting enough to play this game. Uh, so we did an opportunity analysis. My wife, uh, you know, she got to say, see, I was right. Uh, so there is a market here. Now understand, this is really, really important. My wife is the audience. She is the customer. Uh, because, and that's really important understanding that the person with the pain, in this case in the homeschool business, the person with the pain is mama, generally speaking, 90% of the time. 
it's mama. It's the mom who charges. It's the mom who buys the product. It's the mom who charges the path forward. It's the mom who does 90% of the work uh, or maybe 100% of the work. Uh, so um, that's the audience. So she understood how mama felt, even though she wasn't freaking out about math. She had her other issues. So we started. All right, so uh, all that is a path to tell you all this stuff so far is if you are starting a company, the first thing that you've got to do is just find the pain and find the customer who has the pain. And get to know in your head, this isn't a bunch of analysis. This is not a bunch of MBA type stuff. Uh, This is just you using common sense and trying to narrow down who is this person who's going to buy my product and service? Who, uh, what do they look like? Uh, in the homeschool world, it's great. We thought, we thought, because uh, we figured it was homeschoolers. That's easy, relatively. They're not always easy to reach. Um, that it's mama. That it's people who are high school age, who have people, kids high school age. And we thought that was the market. It turns out that wasn't quite tight enough, but you learn that over time. So understanding that and understanding why are they going to buy from you? Why are they going to buy from you? Your assumptions are worthless here. I mean, absolutely worthless. Even though my wife was the customer, she had some intuition about what they wanted and what they cared about. We still had to do some homework to understand what do they really care about? Because while we have some of the issue, you've got to dig a little bit, right? And we all, we all do that. It doesn't matter how smart, it doesn't matter how intelligent or how much schooling or education you have or how many times you've been an entrepreneur. You, you make these biased judgments, and you're wrong a lot of the time. So this seasoned entrepreneurs, they'll tell you, you'd never underestimate the customer. And this is why you do market research. This is why billion-dollar companies spend money on market research is because you can't take it for granted that you understand what they want. You actually have to talk to them. And this is where starting from the beginning is awesome. You can talk to them. You can get on the phone and talk to your customers and talk to people who you think need your customers, uh, that are going to be your customers. Talk to people and understand their pain. And I tell you what, when you've got their pain point, they're listening. And actually, it needs to be you listening for the pain. They'll tell you what they'll pay for. They'll be happy to pay for it if you deliver them what they ask for. It's really important to talk to your customers or potential customers. Let me say that again in case you weren't listening. It's really important to talk to your customers or potential customers. And it's really important that you understand who they are. And you're just not talking to your friend Joe or Sally and getting their opinions. You've got to be talking to people who have the real pain to understand it, not opinions, right? Everybody has opinions. That doesn't matter. Once we had this, this is what we understood. We understood. We're talking to mamas. And by the way, this wasn't a lot of giant market research. This was hanging around with our friends, having uh, just uh, talking to them, sitting down with some of them, and listening. Uh, they're mamas. They have kids of a certain age. They're homeschooling. Most of them were pretty intelligent people. Um, you know, many of them had advanced degrees. The parents did, which was the freaky thing. You know, why is 
why is why are you needing our help? It doesn't seem like you would need our help. Seems like Bubba and, and his wife, Sally, would need our help. And uh, this was usually pretty educated people. So as it came out that, you know, we are, I think I just insulted Bubba and Sally. Sorry about that, but, you know, that wasn't meant to be an insult. The, uh, the uh, once you get some of this around, you get your head around some of this stuff, then you just start. And I mean start. Now, this is, this is a trap. This is, I'm trapping you right now, is uh, you just need to jump into the game and start offering a product and service, a product and or service as soon as possible. Not six months. This is not you go into the R&D research lab because your name is not Apple. Your name is not IBM. You need to put product on the market fast. And the sooner, it doesn't have to be pretty. I'm going to show you what I mean by it doesn't have to be pretty. It just has to solve the pain. So this is where stupid steps in, okay? Uh, yes, you're probably going to be stupid. I am stupid. We can call it something else, but let's just not be politically correct. Let's just call it stupid. I was in a call the other day with somebody, and I said, you know, but stupid is, stupid is distracted, perfectionist, is because what I did is I said, okay, we need to film this. I need a studio, I need to buy the best equipment, and we need to get really creative about how we solve this problem. We need to do video editing and do all the cool stuff that they do in Hollywood, right? Uh, this is stupid, right? It sounds cool, but it's stupid. Um, now, was I was on the call the other day, as I was saying, and, uh, and, and the lady on the call, she said, no, that's not stupid, that's just male. I don't know if that's the case. Maybe it's male, maybe it's engineer, but I see a lot of women doing it that aren't engineers. We get in this perfectionist mindset that our product or service has to be perfect. It has to have everything tightened up. No, it doesn't. So uh, Leah says to me, she says, what are you doing? She says, homeschool, and I just got the quote here, and I put it, I'm going, it's going to be in the show notes. Uh, she said, homeschool model moms do not want fancy. They want the problem solved. It does not have to be pretty and packaged well. It has to solve the problem. So that's the heart of the quote that she said to me. And I, I remember it's still ringing in my ear because you're like, duh, that's what I teach people to do, right? So it does, again, it doesn't matter. I teach people to do this stuff all the time. I help people move products forward to the market, and I'm caught in the same trap, right? You're, you get caught in the same traps of the advice, right? The advice we give to our kids, we find ourselves doing it. It's the same problem here, okay? So there's a quote by, um, and I was I was struggling with that. You know, it's like, okay, how do I get this product in the market? And it's not going to look so fancy. Wait a minute. It's not going to look really, really cool. It's not going to look Hollywood. Wait a minute. And I remember seeing this quote from uh Reed Hoffman, who's the founder of LinkedIn, and he says, if you are not embarrassed by the first version of your product, you launched too late. Reed Hoffman's a billionaire, for whatever that's worth, right? If you're not embarrassed by the first version of your product, you launched too late. Boy, is that so true. And what he's talking to is this perfectionist thing that we see in the entrepreneurial world. We try to make things perfect. Forget it. Focus on the problem. Focus on the problem. Uh, so what we did after getting this, my head clear on this, I took a whiteboard, 
um, I think mostly it was a whiteboard, took a whiteboard, hung it on the wall, took a camera, put it up in front of me, put enough light on it where it wasn't awful. Uh, and really, that's all I mean, is it wasn't awful, and took the textbook. And since we had taught the course, this course several times, you know, it was pretty clear what we, you know, we'll use this. This will be our first product, the Algebra 2 with Trig. And I started teaching it to camera. And we um, are, so between me and our daughter Cassidy, we started editing the video. It turned out to be like eight, eight DVDs that went on to, which was painful in itself. So, but Cassidy had never really done a lot of video editing. So it was kind of, it was clunky. It was put together. It was really well done, but you know, this was not a whole professional production. It was kind of actually fun, you know, you know, playing with tools that we had never played with. So we built a product. All right, so it was now the course, as we would say, the video was in the can. And so what we were doing is we were buying the book, the Algebra 2 a Trick book. We were buying the solutions manual off of Amazon used. So we were paying whatever price we were paying used for this book. Uh, we didn't really want to be in that business, but hey, we said, well, we'll go buy them. And we recorded the video, and it was, as you would say, in the can. Really, it was on the hard drive of the Mac we were using, but it was, the recordings were done. The DVDs were there. I think we had burned one copy. We bought a little printer to print on the labels. We'll get to that in just a minute. <clears throat> Once you get that done, you tell the world, right? You've got a product. It took us a couple of weeks. I don't know how long, but let's just say a couple of weeks to get all that package, probably a month, really. Um, and telling the world this is the most important thing you can do. When it comes to business, marketing is number one. Every single time I meet with somebody on a business, they start and we start talking about what they're doing, whether I'm doing it in the graduate program, whether I'm doing it for coaching clients outside that I work with. Even people that have heard this pitch, they'll come and they'll say, here's what I'm going to do is I'm going to get an LLC. I'm going to uh, get a business license. I'm going to write a business plan. I'm going to buy this software and they have 10 steps down there. And I'm like, at what point are you going to start telling the world what service that you provide and how you make their pain go away? Oh, we're not to that yet. Well, you're not a business. If you're not putting it out there to actually help people, you're not a business. You're just talking. So until you start helping people, you're just talking. So quit talking. And I tell that to myself. I tell that to you. We're all guilty of it. All right. You've got to put it out there. First thing we did is, is we built a website. Now, um, I'm a techie person. I can write code and all of that stuff. But what I did is what we do. What we do at the, at the university is what we call uh, R&D, research and development. Uh, R&D actually stands for rob and duplicate. <laughs> so we went out and found a uh, website that we kind of looked like the look of and captured the framework of it anyway and put our words in it. I'll put a, a, a picture of that in the show notes at dalecallahan.com slash 171. It's basic. It's not a, a, it worked. It was very functional for us for years. We put our stuff up there, got a PayPal account, put a picture of our product, pay us by PayPal, and just let it go. And we put a couple of ads in homeschool magazines. Uh, I wouldn't do that today. By the way, if I did both of those today, if I was starting over, I would build a Shopify site or a WordPress site. I'll put links of those in the show notes, how you do that. Shopify is going to cost you about 30 bucks a month. So it's a little steep for some people to get started. 
WordPress you can get started and probably pay $100 to $200 for the entire year. Uh, takes a little more savvy, you know, so you might end up hiring, well, some people hire people to do Shopify and do the work. So it kind of, it, it's a time versus attention versus how much money you got versus how fast you're getting out to do those kind of things. But I won't bore you with that. We did it all. Um, the uh, And we placed the ad in two homeschool magazines. I wouldn't do that today. Magazines, do we even know what they look like anymore? Uh, we would pay, place the ads on Facebook. Um, so great advertisement to Facebook since we're here, but Facebook ads do really well. Right now they're fairly cheap. Um, so we went to a few conferences for homeschoolers, but pff, it's not my thing. So this is the nice thing about it, it's your business. You get to call the shots and say, you know what, standing around at a conference, talking to people, the talking to people's okay. Standing around for two days straight, locking me in a building, no way. That is not for me. Uh, so when, when we have a, had other people, other people were doing it, but it just was not a win for us. So you get to do that, it's your business. So, so here's the funny thing. So we get it up there, we have a website, we have some ads, and the or, first order comes in. So I'm sitting on there, cell phone. As I remember, we are out of town, and, uh, and I get this notification that somebody's paid us 300 bucks or something, 325. I forget what the total was. It doesn't really matter. Uh, but it was, um, I remember saying, oh, oh man, somebody's just bought the course. Now we have to burn the DVDs and go home and ship it. That's, I was bummed. <laughs> I was bummed. And my wife was looking at me like, you've lost your mind. Somebody just sent you money and you're bummed about it and you're complaining about it. Yes, I was. Uh, the truth is, I complained about the first many orders because we were burning them. We were having to go burn them. We were going to print them, uh, and it was kind of ugly. Uh, but that's the mindset I was in. I'm, it, I'm not, you know, you've heard me say, if anybody's listening to this podcast for a while, I'm not a detail person. That's a detail. Boy, is that a detail. But let's talk about packaging. This is where we get caught up. Here, let me. So, I want to just pull back the cover and show you what stuff really looked like. So, as you as I've shown you, for those of you who are on Facebook, you can see this. Uh, uh, and we'll, by the way, we take this Facebook feed and we put it over on YouTube. We'll put a link to the YouTube channel, another link. We'll put a link to the YouTube channel now. We'll put the Facebook on there. People can see it on Facebook, people can see it on YouTube. And in the show notes, we'll have pictures of this. Oh, heck, we'll put links to all that, too. Let's be totally circular. Uh, but the book, we were shipping the book, the solutions manual I don't have in my paw right now. We, uh, And this is what the product looked like. So I hope you can see that. Uh, this is nothing but DVDs. Let's see if we have This is DVDs. Let's see if we have a copy. So we would take DVDs. We would take these... Um, we had eight DVDs, so to put them in the Mac, burn, wait. Some of you have made DVDs know what I mean. Wait for a while, pull it out. Is this number one or number two? Oh, yeah, number one. Put it in the printer. We bought a printer that could print to these white DVDs. These DVDs were bought at Sam's by the 100-pack. You probably They still sell them, and uh, probably some of you use them to back up stuff. And we would print them. And we would put them in these little cases. And the little cases, as you see here, the little cases that you um, that you buy at Sam's. There's the or, or Walmart or something. We bought them by the hundred, 
and these little plastic cases, each one in their own case. And yes, we put painter's tape around it so when it shipped, they would stay together and not go all over the place. It was really classy. I'm still waiting on Apple, you know, for a long time, Apple to call me about being a packaging expert because I thought this was ingenious. And you know, they need great packaging for Apple. So they didn't. So apparently they weren't as impressed as I was. But that's how we shipped the product. It's ugly. I get it. It's ugly. I said this. I had this pulled up this up in a conference one time. And two people in the front row just literally started laughing at me because that's what it looked like. But again, we never, ever, ever had a customer call us and say, your packaging is really ugly. No, they would call us and ask us stuff about the teaching the math. They would send us emails and support emails, but they never complained about the DVDs and what they were. Unless the DVD didn't work, you know, and there was there's always technical issues and stuff like this. So that's how it printed. That's really important. That is really important because uh, later on we 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 looked like this, and now it's it's glossy and shrink shrink wrapped and all kinds of other stuff. Uh, we won't even, but this is, this is a better packaging, not still not perfect. Um, but had we waited to, had we tried to get to this packaging before we shipped, we'd still be doing it. We'd still be designing it. We'd still be doing logos. We'd still be doing all that stuff. The important thing is to get your product onto the market and to get it out there as absolutely fast as possible. Because the key to growth of your business is to first make some money. Because otherwise you don't have a business, you have a hobby. The IRS's definition, if you're spending a bunch of money and you're writing it off on your taxes, which you should, for business expenses, and after a year or so you don't have any money, the IRS declares it a hobby and it's not tax deductible. And they're correct. You've got a hobby. So don't have a hobby, have a business, put your products and services out there for sale. It's just that easy because this is what happens. This is the real beauty of putting things for sale besides making the money. Um, is customers become real. If you're, in the, if you're kind of in this early stage and you're thinking and trying to understand the pain and talking to people, the customers aren't real yet. They'll tell you things, right? If somebody walks up to you and says, hey, you know, what? are you interested in this product or service? You would say, yeah, I'd love that. But they're not real until they take their wallets out and hand you money over. Now you've got a transaction. You've got a relationship with that person. And once somebody's paid you money, they talk more. They start telling you more. And it's not negative. I mean, they start saying, wow, you solved that problem for us. Can you solve this? Can you do that? We wish it did this. We wish it, did, you know, and, and they're not so nice anymore. And I don't mean they're mean, but they're like, why doesn't it do this? We wished it would do this, you know, and they start giving you feedback. And as a matter of fact, our two most profitable products on our website right now came from customer feedback saying, please do this because the initial customers wanted this and they got what they wanted. So uh, customers are awesome. Uh, so here's another thing that I will promise you will probably happen to you, depending on the kind of business. If you're doing a local business, this doesn't make sense. Remember, we started this business to share with our friends to say, hey, hey, rather than charge you 200 bucks and do this, we'll get for, for 200 or less, probably less money. Here it is. You've got us. Just email us if you need anything. You know, it's great. What happened is 
Our friends don't buy from us. Generally speaking, our friends don't buy from us. What happens is we don't even sell a lot in the state that we live in. We sell it all over the United States. We ship it everywhere. We have customers on our thing from all over, all these different zip codes. Very little from our state. You know, the statement, you're not, in a, you're not a prophet in the town you came from. I forget, I'm, I'm misquoting that, but, you know, it's a biblical quote, but it's, it's very true. And, by the way, a lot of business owners tell me that. If you're an online business, probably people around you are not buying from you. You're probably shipping everywhere. So we've shipped this all over the world, ship it all over the United States. Uh, very few in the state, which is fine. That's kind of how that works. Uh, so you may find the same kind of thing. Why am I sharing this messy story with you? And it is messy. I could pick a business, though. I could literally pick any business. I could grab any business owner and drag them in here and say, forget all your flashy story. Tell me the mess. And there's a mess. And usually they're, they're happy to tell it, right? So if you're talking to other business owners trying to get advice, they're happy to tell it because it's kind of funny, especially if they've moved past it. It's not funny if they never moved past it. But if they have, it's funny. But I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. We are our own worst enemy. You are, I am, I know that. The reason we push through this is getting a lot of advice and counsel and coaching from other people. I was part of mastermind groups where you got coaching. Uh, because here's your biggest challenges. And I don't care who you are. I don't care what degrees you're hanging on the wall or how much money you have in the bank or don't have. It doesn't matter. You're going to feel overwhelmed with your startup, guaranteed. You're not going to know what to do first, guaranteed. You're going to think you do, and then it starts to get muddy and messy. Uh, you're going to feel like you maybe have nothing to sell, like there's nothing new under the sun because there's not. Uh, you're going to feel like maybe you're not qualified to sell this. I got an email from somebody just the other day that said, uh, you know, there's all these other people doing what I'm doing, and they're more qualified than me. That's a normal feeling. Um, and that's not something to slow you down. But it's hard to get that. It's, it's easy for me to say that, and it's easy for you to hear that. You need to be talked through that, just my experience. You're going to think you need one more degree, one more training class, one more et cetera before you get started. You're going to think that no one needs what you're selling because it's obvious. It's stupid obvious. Right? Most of us, what we're selling is we think it's stupid obvious because we live it, right? I think selling high school math is stupid obvious because it's something I'm, you know, any, any engineer out there is listening, you know what I mean? It's just built into your DNA. That's who you are at this point. Uh, any scientist, you get it. You know, somebody who just is, has had enough math. It's obvious, but it's not obvious to the other person. Even if they are an engineer, maybe, because we have engineers, and this is always what kills me, we have engineering families buy our product and i'm like what are y'all doing and uh, they'll tell me we just look it's a time management issue is you guys have packaged it together you guys have thought about it and you've put it together in such a way that talks to the market yeah we could help johnny and susie but this this helps us help them okay you know uh, you don't question a customer's motivations of why they want your product right their needs are their needs their pains are their pains so I hope this helps you think through this. I wanted to share it. I wanted to look at the messy stuff. We can talk more about where we went from here. I mean, especially if you're interested, we can talk about the growth pattern and what does growth look like because that's another messy mess. It's always a mess. Uh, uh, 
if you've ever worked anywhere, you know, no matter how big the company, it's a mess now when you look on the inside. But look, all these things are normal. If you want to get unstuck, though, uh, give me, look, I do coaching. I do business startup coaching. But what I am offering, I mean, I do career coaching. Really, what the kind of coaching I do is helping people increase their income. And what I find is they increase their income in two different ways. And I hope you think about this, is growing in your job or getting a new job. It's a great way to increase your income and having a side income. Uh, so I saw an email from a friend of mine today that said, you know, should I, should I get a new job or start a side business? Yes, absolutely yes. And I think most of us sitting here looking at this time to the COVID crisis is when this is being recorded. Uh, most people are looking at this and realizing, yeah, I wish I had that side income. I wish I'd done that before. And I'm starting to see the value in that side business. Um, that conversation is not as hard for me right now. Right now, though, I'm doing a free call. There's no obligation. You can get on my calendar. There'll be a link in the show notes. Like I said in the beginning, if you get on there and it's like full up for a month or so, um, just shoot me an email, dell at dellcallahan.com. Not that hard. Uh, dell at dellcallahan.com. Google me, their Facebook, whatever. I'm on LinkedIn, everywhere but Twitter. I don't look at that anymore. Uh, but the uh, but it's 340, 30, 45, whatever we need, we'll talk to it. And in that call, what we want to do is walk away with you a roadmap. If you want to work with me more, that's perfect. We can talk about that. But I want you to come in there and walk away with a roadmap of what success looks like for you and for your business. So awesome. I'm going to run and go get on a call. I mean, with my graduates class where we're talking about entrepreneurship and all the same kind of stuff. Um, so until next week. So um, thanks for being here. Thanks for sharing with us. I forgot to turn on the recording. So I hope the Facebook thing works awesome. Y'all have a great night.